Whoa. How are you all doing? That's great. Awesome. I like that. That's good. We are starting a new series today called Tipping Point. Thank you to Jimmy Evans who gave me that title. Jimmy Evans from um, Church in America. I think it's important every so often that we have a look at where we are in the things of God, in His time clock. God has planned out the whole word for us. And, and uh, you know, when we talk about end time issues, we quite often get people going, oh, it's that scary stuff. <laughs> I want to tell you, it's not scary if you know how it all plays out. God has given His word to you and I that we would have hope, that we'd have hope and we don't need to fear. Because as we look into His word, we just see what He has laid out before us. It's a warning. It's a warning to us so we know when it happens, we know what's coming rather than being a surprise. Nobody likes surprises, right? Anyone like a surprise? No, we like to know what's coming. And this is the goodness of God. He lets us know what's coming. In fact, um, if we know just from the basic verse of uh, John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever shall believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then it goes on in 17, For God did not send His Son into the world that He might judge the world, but the world might be saved through Him. In that whole message there, you can see God loves the world. So that's why He's warning the world. It's out of His love that He's going to share, He's going to tell you, get ready for the things that come. And it's all that they may be saved through Him. In fact, 30% of the Bible is actually dealing with end time stuff, or eschatology for uh, students at college. <laughs> Looking at Corey there, Pastor Corey. Um, and so if Jesus addressed it so much, we need to hear from him. We need to know. We need to hear because otherwise, if it wasn't important, he wouldn't have written it in there. But like I said, about 30%. And we know that there is, uh, I don't know about you, but I can feel it in the atmosphere right now. There is a spiritual battle going on. There is no doubt about that. And we know that from, and I know from God's word, where we're sort of roughly in the frame time where we're at, and I'm going to be unpacking a little bit of that. Um, and you can know that the enemy is pushing full force ahead because they know he's, he knows he's defeated, he knows he's got limited time, and he's going all gung-ho for it. And that's why you're seeing the craziness around this world is a spiritual thing. It is not flesh and blood. It is a spiritual battle, as Ephesians chapter 6 tells us. We battle not against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle we're in, and uh, we need to realize that as Christians, we need to rise up in this time and know we have power over the enemy. Fear not, says the Lord, for we have power over the enemy. So we not need to be scared. We need to stand up in that power and that authority he's given you, and uh, we will uh, encounter and overcome these things. For that battle between, that battle that is going on started right back in Genesis 3.15, it says, and I will put enmity between you and all, uh, sorry, between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He will bruise your head, and sh uh, shall bruise, and you shall bruise his. <coughs> sorry, excuse me, and you shall bruise his heel. The battle between mankind is a battle between mankind and Satan. It's the forces of darkness are against the people of God, because we are made in His image and likeness. So every time the devil looks at you, is reminded of God Himself. And he doesn't like that. So he's out to take you out. He's going to be uh, throwing every weapon he can against you. But the great thing is, God has revealed his battle plans already to us. 
and his rescue plan for creation in his word. And that's why we need to get into the word, guys. We need to really look at this because it's going to help you for the days ahead of where we're going. God's scriptures lets us know the big picture. And God has a big picture. As you read God's word, you'll start to see the end, uh, sorry, the beginning, the end, and in between what he's actually putting together. And at the moment, we're in a time where we are starting to get more and more pieces of the puzzle. You know when you get a jigsaw puzzle on the box, it shows you the full picture, and you, you kind of empty the box, and there's bits and pieces everywhere, and you go for the obvious ones first, don't you, with a straight edge, you know, because that's, you know, you can get that working out. And, and uh, you, you do that, and, and, and somewhat that's what uh, the Bible is made of in many pieces. And uh, we start with what we know, and as we read and ask God and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal things to us, we start to get a, more pieces. You know, that's why it's just a powerful book, the Bible, when you read it. You can read the same passage over and over again, and you'll see things you didn't see the first time as it reveals it to you. It's like when you're doing one of those puzzles uh, that has sky and sea in it, and they're both blue. And you're going like, is that a sky piece or is that a blue, you know, is that the sea, is that the sky? And you're kind of a bit confused. But as you get a few of them, it starts to become clearer and clearer and clearer. As we look ahead in the days, we're starting to see clearer and clearer the words of Jesus coming to pass and the things that have been prophesied over the years regarding uh, the future of us on this planet. So I want to start this morning... Um, because this was a question asked, that the disciples asked Jesus. So we're going to start this morning in Matthew chapter 24, verse 3, going right through to 14. So it's a big, long verse. And um, this is what Jesus said. <clears throat> okay, let's start at Matthew 24, verse 3. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when all these things should be. He just talked about destruction of the temple. And what shall be the sign of your coming and the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed, no man deceive you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must occur, but the end is not yet. For, the na for nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in different places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to be afflicted and will kill you, and you will be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. And many false prophets will rise and deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many will become cold. But he who endures to the end, the same shall be kept safe. And the gospel of the kingdom shall be proclaimed to all the world as a witness to all nations and then the end shall come. It's a big passage, and there's lots like this. When I was putting this together, I was trying to, where do I start with this? Because normally, like a series like this, it'd take me five weeks to go through, but I haven't got that much time this time. Uh, but I, I wanted to start with a basis here this week, and next week I'll be flown on to more where we're at in all that. But I want to just unpack what Jesus said, because this is important, because he was asked the direct question, what shall be the sign of your coming and the end of the world? And any time we have turmoil in the world, people start going, wow, is this it? Is this the time? You know, we all go, is this, is this the end days? You know, we all kind of get, like, concerned in that. Um, and people turn to look for answers. When the 9-11 Twin Towers came down, they said Bible sales in England went up by 80% because people go, is this the end? You know, everything's just falling apart. We saw this 
destruction of those towers. We saw the destruction, how it flowed around the world uh, in many ways. And people started fearful. And, and, and over time, we've seen it. World War II, World War I, going further back. There's always been those times of destruction where people go, is this it? Is this the end times? And so we need to look into the scripture. And, and as we get closer to the end times, because we are in the end times, and um, there's no doubt about that, we just need to start monitoring everything. You know, a few years ago, Sharon and I were returning from Singapore and uh, we're coming over by Sejunaway, and the plane ran into a storm. And it was like, oh my goodness, it was like running a, uh, a bucking bronco. You know, you ever seen it? <laughs> Going up and down, like we were dropping up and down, uh, incredible as we were shooting forward at the same time. People were screaming, people were crying out, we're going to die, we're going to die. Didn't really give you much confidence when you're just trying to ride it all through. But that's what we're heading into right now. We're heading into a storm like we've never seen before, and it's already happened around the world. But I want to tell you, in the storm, there's certain things you do and certain things you don't do. And in a storm, you're observant of what's going on. I mean, I had my breakfast served, so I'm keeping one hand on my breakfast to make sure I didn't fly off and hit someone in the head. Uh, you know, and of course, we pray. We had trust in the pilots, but we prayed and believed in God. And as you go through any storm in life, that's where you need to aim is into... Uh, being aware of your circumstances and trusting God as you go through that, as your guidance. So the first question that, uh, after the disciples asked, what's, what is the sign of your coming and at the end of the age? The first Jesus, thing that Jesus answered was this. He said in verse 4, And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Quite interesting, he started with that, you know, like what is the signs we want to know? He's, this is the first thing that he put forward, because the devil is a deceiver. You got to understand, the devil is a deceiver. He presents things that look attractive, they look luring, looks good and that, but there's something more behind it. He'd be one that presents you with a nice cream cake that looks great on the side, but it's maggot-fested inside. <laughs> That's how bad it is. He says, first, let no one deceive you. That's why we need to ask the Holy Spirit, constantly about our world right now. God, what is going on? Pray, God, help me to see and be directed. But it says in John 14, 26, but the comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to remembrance, whatever I've said to you. So it is a time like no other. We really need to engage with the Holy Spirit and get that directed. Let's not listen to all the voices that are out there. Let's listen to God. Let's listen to the Holy Spirit because he speaks all truth and he will bring forward the things that you need to know in the right time. So Jesus straight away says, do not be deceived. You're going to be deceived. I tell you, that all, all this, uh, you, you'll be open to deception, sorry. I'm not saying you would be deceived because you people know your Bible, right? Okay. <laughs> um, but the deception is going to be great. And, uh, and we've seen that over time. We've seen deception on many people. Uh, even in the way of re uh, religious cults and things, people have been led away by all those sort of things. And of course, that's the next thing that Jesus deals with when he says, for many will come in my name, in verse 5, saying, I am Christ and will deceive many. So he talks about a great deception coming, then there's a deception in people, false Christ. False Christ have continued to make their appearance over time. Even within the last century, we've seen certain such names as Jim Jones, Jonestown, Massacre of 1979, I think, something like that, where 900 people uh, took this poison. He told them that Jesus was come back, we need to, you know, like get out of here, and uh, killed 900 people, I think it was, by memory. 
We had the Korean Sun Mung Moon. David Koresh was another one. We've seen these people, these personalities rise, but they're all deceptive. Deceptive to people believing. Some believe that they, he was Jesus. You know, like, well, that's not the case. If you read your Bible, you know who Jesus is. There's no doubt about it. It's not because somebody says this man's like Jesus. You know, it doesn't matter if he's got long hair or not. But uh, <laughs> that's not it. And then. Jesus goes on from the false Christ as deception that will be upon the world, deception of false Christ pretending to be him, and then he says there will be rumors of wars. It says, and you will hear, wars, hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all things must occur, but the end is not yet. So when we enter into times of wars and that, Jesus has told us plainly, the end is not yet. Like, it's all right, guys, relax. It's not the end yet. You will get wars and rumors of wars. We have rumors of wars right now, if you've been following our paper, particularly to do with China, China and America, China and Australia. Um, what else we got? There's uh, a trouble of China and Taiwan. Um, and we've got China's uh, boats and uh, submarines popping up everywhere around the world. And, uh, but the Word of God tells us these things must occur, but the end is not yet. So don't be fearful when you see these ha happening. And I've been watching the military around the world right now. It's very interesting what's going on. Some certainly some exercises going on. But fear not. God's word has told us these things must occur, but the end is not yet. Then number four, he talks about there'll be time for the nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there'll be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in different places. The UN agency reveals 41 million people in 43 countries are teetering on the very edge of famine, up from 27 million two years ago. 41 million people are on the edge of famine right now in our world. That's, that's pretty terrible. And, of course, we've been sending aid to uh, Myanmar. Myanmar is, is one of those countries that uh, are lacking food. Um, terrible things going on in our world right now. And when you know there's enough food to feed the whole world, and it's only through greed... And, and things. Uh, it's, so, it's, so, it's so bad. In fact, um, some did some calculations of some of the richest people and how much money they have, trillions and whatever. They said if they were to give all that money distributed to the world, every human being would have about $4 million each. That just shows you the wealth where it's been accumulated in these uh, elite, probably 5% or less. Um, incredible stuff. And that shows you itself the, the, uh, the spirit of evil behind all that. Uh, with pestilence, you know, I, I forgot, and we, we don't hear much about this anymore, but AIDS is still active. In fact, AIDS has been the biggest killer. I was looking through the chart. 36 million deaths from AIDS. There's still in operation yellow fever, dengue, malaria, Ebola, Ebola and uh, many, many, many others. We've got lots of pestilence, of course, with the current one we have now. But there's lots of stuff going on, and, and uh, Jesus said these things will happen. And then he talks about earthquakes. And I just looked it up last night on volcanodiscovery.com. Uh, <laughs> it says, during the past two days, this is current, the past two days, there were uh, recorded 918 earthquakes that were recorded that felt 918 and another 1,000. 336, which people don't normally feel because they're down deeper. They're all at different depths than that. And I was having a look, and uh, um, of course, we had one in Melbourne the other week that was 10Ks down, and uh, you know, you're seeing all the different deaths and the different things going on. 
But, you know, when you see these things, every time I see these things, I go straight to the Bible. I just go, well, there's another thing that Jesus said that's going to happen, and it's happening. So, but what we're seeing in this time, this period, we're seeing all this stuff combined happening together. So over time, we've had earthquakes. Yes, people go, yeah, they've been happening for years. Yes, yes, that's true. And we've had pestilences. Yes, 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 that's true. But we are seeing a combination of all these things in its highest levels at one time, uh, in, in the only time we've seen it all, put it that way. So we're seeing an increase. And of course, the passage goes on from there. It says there'll be false prophets will rise and deceive many. And because of iniquity shall abound, the love of many will become cold. How many of you notice that? People will become very, yeah, like that. And, uh, but he endures to the end, the same shall be kept safe. So when Jesus shows you what's going to take place, all these things, they can get like, oh, this is worrying, you know, whatever. But he always gives you hope at the end. He says, who endures to the end, he shall be kept safe. Or some translation said he, he will live, he will continue, or whatever the case may be, depending on your translation. Um, so we've got to have hope this morning. And like, I don't want to bring a word of doom and gloom to you because it's not. This is trying to give you indicators of what's going on in our world. But Jesus has got a rescue plan for you all. And he's already written it. It's all there for you. And it's going to be playing out, uh, well, it's playing out right now, actually, uh, around the world. We're seeing people come to Christ. We're seeing all sorts of moves of God in, in various places. And this will continue to go on. So that Jesus covers a whole wide area there. And I will be talking further in, in next week about some more effects on us right now. Um, but one of the other things we find right through the Scriptures is other hints of what the days will look like. And Daniel's always been a great uh, book to look at in regards to that. And in Daniel 12.4, God says, But you, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Daniel was told to shut up the words that were passed on to him for a time in the end, because it wouldn't have made sense to him. Can you imagine Daniel looking at our world right now with all the technological advances and going, what the heck? You know, suddenly it was beamed up, you know, thousands of years forward and go, what's going on here? And God would have known that. He says, seal it up. You won't make sense of it anyway. Just, just seal it up for it's not for a time as yet. But he says, in that time, when it is that time, many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. We've had some of the greatest advances of knowledge ever known. In fact, um, a guy called Buckminster Fuller <laughs> uh, developed a system called the Knowledge Doubling Curve in 1982. And he estimated that until the 1900, human knowledge doubled approximately every 100 years. And then by World War II, the rate of human knowledge increased every 25 years. It do- or doubled every 25 years. In 2020, IBM estimated the rate of knowledge growth will double every 12 hours. Smartphones, tap and go, credit cards, computers, Wi-Fi. We are living in an incredible story at time. You know, I often go visit my mum. My mum's going to be 95 uh, in about a week's time. And um, she cannot comprehend what we've got in front of us. She doesn't even know what an iPhone is. And, uh, you know, she's... She was brought up in the days where they had horse and buggy before the cars sort of really started appearing. So it's quite a big change to where we are now. We have such advances that we don't even really know of it or understand it ourselves. 
Elon Musk brought out the electric car uh, in a big way, and, uh, but he's also playing with a lot of other things. And if you've read much about Elon Musk, he's playing with a microchip in the brain right now where they'll be able to control you by the internet. Who wants to be controlled by the internet? No, thank you. This is called the Internet of Things. They've been proposing it for a long time. They want to hook everything up to the internet. That means a control base. When you're hooked up to something, that means they have control over you. He basically said, we now have the uh, coding to understand the DNA structure. We can change that, and we can turn you into a caterpillar. That's what he said. <laughs> a little fluffy caterpillar. Uh, but the scary thing is, is where is this technology going and how is it being used with nanobots, little particles uh, injected into you, all sorts of things that can actually hook you up to the internet. And I'm reading more and more of this stuff. It's like, oh my goodness, it's not science fiction anymore. It's actually happening in reality. The plans of, um, of, of the elite is to hook you up to the internet. And you think, how is that possible? Well, they've mapped out how the brain works, the electric charges and all those things. And uh, with putting nanobot parts into you, they're like little machines of what they, and graphene oxide as an antenna, they can start sending things to your body, frequencies that will interfere with your brain waves and make you think differently. So um, they said they ha they've been playing with this technology for some time. They have an ability to interfere with your thinking and change your thinking. That's where it gets and that's where it's getting scary. The UN uh, Agenda 2030 talks about their focus on making us all smart cities you know, where we can or all get pushed out of the rural areas into cities, be hooked up to the 5G, everything will be monitored by the 5G system and so forth. So these guys have had these plans on the drawing board for a long time, but uh, of course what can look good in some ways can be used for evil and uh, we certainly don't want to go there. But that's the technology that is advancing very quickly in our world. As I just said there, IBM says uh, the growth of knowledge will double every 12 hours. And that's what it's like now. You, we kind of like want to get the latest iPhone, but as soon as you bought it, it's not the latest anymore. There's already a few on the drawing board behind that. You're it's constantly just flowing out, flowing out, flowing out. So we got some warning here from Daniel about the increase of knowledge. We've never seen anything like it. Some of the things they're coming out with, they're doing flying cars. Have you heard about that? The Jetsons came true. Uh, flying cars. Britain apparently is making its first uh, airport for flying cars. That's absurd, but it's all there. <laughs> so there's another thing, increase of knowledge that we certainly see. But Paul writes on the, another side of the immoral decay of people. In 2 Timothy 3, 1, he says, Know this also, that in the last days, grievous times will be at hand. For men will be self-lovers, money lovers, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, unyielding, false accusers without self-control, savage, despisers of good, traitors, reckless, puffed up, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying the power of it, even turn away from these things. What a big list of things there. <laughs> you know, you'll be walking around with a chick, yes, I see that, I see that. Um, but that's the world we are living in right now. If you look at it, people are obsessed with themselves, people are obsessed with money, um, they're proud. Uh, we're seeing an unholy move of God. Uh, we see it's got here uh, disobedient to parents. Uh, it's got without natural affection, referring to no longer male and female uh, relationships, man and man, woman and woman. Um, 
uh, false accusers, self-control. It just goes on and on and on. And, uh, but then it goes on to, it says, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. We see in these last days a disconnection from God. It's like Satan himself wanted to be like the most high God, and he's trying to wire us up to think the same way, that we are our own gods. You know, we don't need a God. You know, become lovers of self rather than lovers of God. So, and it goes on to say, having a form of godliness, but denying the power of it. You're going to have people, and I remember reading an article in England from, I think it was the Church of England, where this, uh, what do they call them? Uh, I'll call them a pastor, I think they call him a minister or something, um, actually admitted that he didn't even believe the Bible, and yet he was the minister of the church. I don't believe the Bible, but it's just my job. So, <laughs> you think that's absurd, how could that happen? But that's the times we're living in. So it's having a form of godliness, like he looked like the man of God, but he denied the power of, thereof. And we're finding more and more of that starting to happen in the churches around the world. We're seeing you know, certain churches starting to break away from the word of God into man's thinking rather than God's word. And we need to be careful of those things. Um, I was just having a conversation earlier about, uh, we haven't seen it pop up for a while, but it's certainly there, the New Age movement uh, moving in again. I've heard lots of podcasts where some people have some great information about what's going on, but they're always talking about we've got to raise our consciousness, consciousness and uh, all this sort of stuff, which is really a Hindu sort of practice. And we've got to be careful we don't get caught up in that sort of stuff. We, uh, we look to Jesus, all right? Well, that's, that's the only thing. You know, as one person said, you know, when, when you're on your deathbed, you won't be talking about, oh, I just need to raise my consciousness right now. <laughs> you'll be going, oh, I need Jesus. And uh, we need to be aware of those things. So there's, some few, there's a few key indicators, and I'll go in a bit more next week. But I guess what we're all looking for is, so when's it going to happen? You like that? Everyone wants, you know, in the movies, you just want to know what's going to happen, and it hasn't, give, my wife's like that. She goes, what, what are they doing? What are they do? I said, just wait, the movie will play out, you'll find out. She just wants to know what's going to happen now. And some of us are like that with books. I used to be like, school, I read back first, because I want to know how the book finishes before it even started. And, uh, and some of us are like that when it comes to the workings with God. So I want to quickly look at this, um, some very interesting things that have taken place over the years, uh, recent years. A key scripture found in Ezekiel 36, 24 says this, For I will take you out of the nations, this is God speaking to the people uh, of Israel, I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. Here we see a prophecy written hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, about a time where God will bring Israel back into their own land and they will be called a nation once again. Now, at the time, it just seemed impossible. They're always being invaded, fights going on and whatever. They were scattered and all those things. But God makes this promise, for I will take you out of the nations, because they're all around the world, and I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. Well, on May 14, 1948, that actually took place. Israel was recognized as a nation for the first time. They... And, and the doors opened up to, from other countries. The Iron Curtain came down. People were rushing back to Israel because they've been scattered everywhere. In fact, it says that the rebirth of the nation, over 600,000 Jews throughout the Muslim world returned immediately. People were just going straight back because God had pl placed his word there. As it says in Isaiah 66, verse 8, Who has ever heard of such a thing? Who has ever seen such things? Can a country be born in a day or a nation be brought forth in a moment? Yet no sooner is Zion in labor, it took place. So 
God fulfilled a word there in prophecy of 1948. And uh, then we see Jesus picking up that same thought because people said, well, 1948, okay, that's... Remember, Israel was God's time clock. Everything the Bible talks around is revolved around His chosen people, Israel. So that's our time clock. So if you want to know what, where we are in God's world, we look at Israel, see what's happening in Israel, and there's some bad stuff taking place there right now, as we know. But um, Jesus says this, <clears throat> to give us a bit more of an understanding. He says, now learn the parable of the fig tree. Now the fig tree was very much representative to the Jews of Israel. So a fig tree is always represent, representing Israel. It says, now learn the parable of the fig tree. When its branches are still tender and puts out its leaves, you know summer is near. So you likewise, when you see all these things, shall know that it is near at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation shall not pass away until all these things are fulfilled. All these things. The question being is, this generation, obviously when Jesus was talking to the disciples, it wasn't that generation, because he said, you'll see all these things fulfilled in this generation. The generation was not the people right then, obviously, because it didn't happen. And people and scholars have always been looking at this, going, what is this generation? Well, they are pretty much in agreement that 1948 was the start of that generation. But then the question was, what is a generation? How long is a generation? If we know the starting point, how long does it go? Well, there's lots of debate on that. Psalm 90 verse 10 says, the days of our years are 70, and if any by strength live 80 years, yet their pride is labor and sorrow, for it soon passes and we fly away. So in this verse it says, there's an understanding that a generation is like 70 years. But of course, if we go on to 70 years, um, that 1948 was 73 years ago, so we haven't seen anything happen. But could it be possibly that it says, by strength live 80 years? If it is 80 years, um, we are living right in that moment, 80 years. Because if we're living 73, Israel became a nation 73 years ago, we are still in the generation of the birth of Israel's nationhood. If Jesus referring to the generation of 70, as I said, then we are already past that milestone. If the generation is 80 years, then we are not far off, in fact. And we go, well, that's, that's pretty exciting. Jesus is returning, and the question is, are you ready? Like I'm telling you, he's returning. Whether, you know, from what our understanding is, and while I'm going to give you a lot more stuff next week, I don't want to overload you, <laughs> but uh, there's lots of scriptures have been fulfilled, even like something like five or ten years ago, there was 90, I think it was about 95% of all scriptures referring to Jesus and his return and all that have already been fulfilled. So we're on the last leg of fulfillment of all prophecy before he returns. And we know that um, in the Bible, numbers mean a lot. And uh, uh, the significance of that, like seven is a seal of God. And we've got, that's why we've got seven days in a week. God created the heavens and the earth. In six days, on the seventh day, he rested. And we're heading up very close, 6,000 years like um, from creation because we know from uh, Adam to Abraham was about 2,000 years. From Abraham uh, to Christ was another two. And then from Christ to now is another two. So it's about 6,000 years plus we're entering into the seventh year of completion. And some people say that's a very significant thing as well. We don't know all the ins and outs, but we're starting to see pieces come together. And as you study this, you're going to go, wow, this is amazing. This, the Bible said this like 2,000 years ago, and it's happened exactly 
like I said. I'll head into some of the stuff with uh, Revelation a little bit later, but uh, you need to be ready. That's why I'm saying be ready because he's close. He's at the door. And um, like I said, we've seen the fulfillment of things in our time that has never happened in any other time. And, um, and we are starting to see more and more pieces of the puzzle come together. So we need to be ready. But for those that know Jesus this morning, you don't need to worry. You just need to keep uh, on track with him. Start to live your life in power and happiness. You know, right now I've had people, and Sharon and I have met, bumped into a few people in the last couple of weeks, and I've even had people out of the blue contact me that I haven't spoken to for 10 years, wanting to know this very thing, what's happening. Oh, you're all blurry now, sorry. <laughs> um, they said, look, I had one guy ring me the other day, and he says, you know, I hadn't seen him for a long time, and uh, he said, oh, look, I've just been trying to work this whole craziness out in the whole world, what's going on, and and I remember you talked to me like 10 years ago about the end time stuff and that. And I thought, who would know about this? You know, so, so I thought I'd ring you up. And, and so we start uh, talking and stuff. And he goes, ah, it makes sense now. See, once you start to understand what God has said and you look out in the world, so it's like you keep one eye on the world and one eye on your Bible, you can match them. You can start to see the pieces come together. But if you're not looking at the word and just looking at the world, well, you're going to lose hope. But when you see, oh, another sign, Jesus is coming. Another sign, he's, he's close. I can see it. I, I know it's happening. I can see what's taking place. It's exciting. And this is what the Word of God is all about, is to give you hope. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back for you, the believer. And he's, it's all written there. Thousands of years beforehand, he already prophesied, told you what would take place. So that's why we've got to be on watch we got to be ready. Like as one person says, you plan as if Jesus is not coming back for a hundred years, but you live tomorrow as if, sorry, you live today as if he's coming back tomorrow. we got to be ready. Are you ready? Are you ready, church? Well, the, the good news, of course, is if you are in Christ, you are a new creation and you are a believer that all these things are going to um, put you at ease when we start reading these things. If you're in Christ, you go, that's me. I'm in, I'm in. And, uh, but if you're not, God's invite is for you to, be, to join him too. You know, God's heart, he put it out there for all mankind to say, you've got to get right, you've got to get right. He's given us all an opportunity to come back to him. For all have fallen short of the glory of God, it says. All of us, we're all like that. But God's love towards us is so great that he gave his only son for you and I. And this morning, I want to close on that note. And... Uh, if you've not given your life to Jesus this morning, this is the best thing you can do. This is the only thing that's going to save you in these times ahead. Yeah, you know, people look and say to me, you know, this is getting pretty scary, some of the stuff I'm seeing happening in Victoria, particularly Dan Andrews and the connections with China and all that. You may have read all that stuff. Um, and I, I'm getting kind of a bit worried now and seeing what happened in New South Wales and around the world and all that. And I said, well, they said, aren't you scared? I said, no, not at all. I'm fearful for the people that don't know, but I'm not scared because I know God's already written it all out. I can read the script. I can see how it's happening. And that's how we should be as Christians, have that confidence. God's got it. God's, he wrote the book. You know, read the book. Don't wait for the movie. And uh, I remember the title of a song like that. But, <laughs> but this morning, the important thing is that you have given your life to Jesus Christ. And I just want you right now in this time, in this place, just to close your eyes, bow your head. Because we want to give you that opportunity right now. The opportunity comes through just you receiving Him 
asking Him into your life. But first of all, you've got to acknowledge that you, you need Him. We all need Him. Each one of us here, or most of us here, probably have said something like this, a sinner's prayer, which is asking God to forgive them of their sin, invite Him into their life to be the Lord and Savior. This morning, I wonder where you are. I know where I'll be if Jesus comes back tomorrow. Do you know that? Do you know what would happen if Jesus turned up tomorrow? Or even for those that believe in Jesus right now, how are you living your life? Are you living like He is coming back tomorrow or you just relax and, oh, I'll just leave for another day. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll take my Christianity a bit seriously later on in the years to come when I think it's closer. You may miss out. Don't miss out. So I want to ask you this morning, if you have not given your life to Jesus Christ and you don't know where you'd be today, if he came back in this very hour. If you want to receive him this morning as Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity. Wherever you are in this place right now, there's a prayer which I'll lead you in, a prayer of salvation that makes you right with God through Jesus' name. And this morning, if that's you, wherever you are, uh, seated in this place, head bowed, eye closed, so I know who I'm praying for. Uh, if you just lift your hand, you put it back down again. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Or perhaps you're not sure. Perhaps you once made a decision for Christ, but you've walked away and you want to come back again. Now's the time. Thank you, Jesus. The other thing I want to say this morning as Christians, we need to be stirred in our hearts. We need to be ready. But the things that are coming upon this earth, which you've just spoken of, some of them, people are going to need some hope, some answers. And us Christians need to be ready to give an account for the hope that we have in us, this says in Peter. So be ready. Be ready. I'm already starting to see it happen. I'm starting to get people ask me questions. And it'll happen to you as well. Be ready to give an answer for the hope that is in you. Because the days ahead are going to get messy. As I said at the beginning, we're in the middle of a storm, but we're going to come out the other side. So wave the, the rocking around of the storm. Be aware of your times that you're in, your surroundings, but put your faith and trust in Him today. Let me just pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you today for your goodness. I thank you, God, right before time you already knew how this is all going to play out you knew our mistakes you knew all that we would do all the things and how we'd go astray but today god i thank you that you give us a way back give us an opportunity to come to you father i thank you for that and i thank you that god you love us and you care for us that you've given us the hope that you're coming to rescue us that we are part of your rescue plan God, you're coming for us soon. And Father, we say, let it be soon. We pray for the rest of this world that is lost. We pray that we have opportunities to reach out to them with the love of Christ. For your heart is that all would be one and none would be left behind. 
Father, I thank you this day. And I give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.